So, uh, so we, we do that. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Matthew um, chapter 13. Um, just to quickly update you on, on Paul Marriott, we prayed for Paul last Sunday because he'd been in a uh, head-on car accident and uh, wasn't in a good way. I mean, Paul has made nothing short of a miraculous recovery over the last week, which is absolutely um, brilliant. He's, he's still over in Brighton Hospital. He will not be, uh, well, at the moment it doesn't look like he needs surgery, which is absolutely great. Um, Ali visited him on Thursday. He was sat up in bed. They chatted for an hour and a half. They broke bread. They prayed together. They did stuff like that, which was great. Please keep praying for him. The likelihood is he'll be still in Brighton for the next four weeks. So that's quite a long time um, recovering. And uh, if any of you know Paul and think, oh, I, I wouldn't mind going across to visit him, if you could just let the information desk know and we can do the best we can to try and liaise and make sure a um, hundred people don't all turn up at his bedside at exactly the same point in time. Um, so so that would be absolutely great. And please keep praying for God's continued protection and uh, blessing upon him. Uh, last, last week, the sun was shining the summer had arrived. Wasn't it a glorious bank holiday weekend? Me and Clothes, in a, in a fit of enthusiasm, decided that we were going to sort our garden out. So we went off to the garden centre with the th- well, three of the four boys, got a trolley and started pushing it around. We also took Natalie with us as well because of her gardening expertise. And, um, and at that point, we completely lost you know, we, we realised we didn't have a clue what we were doing. You know, you've got people there with tape measures. You know, they're measuring the plants before they put them in there. And we are there with our trolley going around saying, oh, I like the colour of that one. Should we put that in? Um, anyway, we loaded our trolley up, was horrified how things that grow all by themselves can cost so much money. Um, we put them in our garden and then uh, Brian Marriott, who's, uh, who does gardening for a job, he came round to our house uh, a couple of days later. And um, he came out into our garden to see what we'd done. And uh, really, it was just a sad look on his face, really. <laughs> <laughs> he was very polite. He didn't say much. But it was just a sad, you know, disappointing look. Oh, if only you'd known what you were doing. Um, you see, we had this flower bed that had been there for a year and we'd done nothing in it. And um, although plants grow by themselves and seeds have life within them, if you don't cultivate the soil, if you don't get the soil right, um, what you plant isn't going to grow as well as it would have done if you've cultivated the soil. And this morning we're going to look at a really familiar passage. It's the parable of the sower. And uh, probably if I got you guys to quickly tell your neighbour about the parable of the sower, you probably would be able to say the whole parable really easily and really well. And that actually illustrates the power of parables, that you are able to remember the story and the constituent parts of it. And you can probably communicate um, as well the meaning of it at a deeper level. What's it all about and why is it there? Um, but of course... Really, when it comes to Jesus' teaching, it's not about what we know, it's about what we do. It's not just about whether we can recite it, and that's really good if we can, but it's about how much of it we are putting into practice in our own lives. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read um, the first seven, eight verses. We're going to miss a chunk out, um, partly because of time, and then we're going to 
find out what Jesus had to say about explaining the parable of the sower. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the seeds of the kingdom being planted, you know, it's all about our hearts. That is the key aspect. It's about are our heart, have our hearts been cultivated? Are they open to what God wants to do in our lives? So let's uh, read this. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables. In actual fact, this is the start of seven parables. Up to this point, Jesus hadn't been telling parables. He is now, and often when he talks to the crowd, it is through parables. It's as though part of the kingdom is actually hidden away from the unbelieving crowd. He's teaching them and he's talking to them, but they can't quite grasp what is going on. But for those who are following Jesus, he explains and he opens up uh, what it's about. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since they had no depth to the soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil, and it produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then we go down to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one um, comes and snatches away what was being sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown in the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, This is the one who hears the word, understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another 60, and in another 30. Lord, I just ask you, would you please uh, help me to communicate effectively? I pray that the prep I've done, you'll breathe life into it, and you'll give me wisdom where to linger, where to move on. I pray for our own hearts. Lord, I pray for our own hearts that they would be open, cultivated hearts, ready to receive the message of the kingdom. I pray distractions will disappear. Lord, I I pray things that would hinder your word from bearing fruit would disappear. Lord, we ask you would be receptive in Jesus' name. Amen. This, This parable is about how the kingdom of God grows in an individual's life. It's talking about what God does, but also our responsibility in it. I don't know if you've ever got a little bit confused. (coughs) You know, when it comes to the Christian walk, what bit am I supposed to be doing? And what part does God do? Well, this parable is really helpful in understanding it, in, in explaining it. 
And what we notice here is that the main emphasis is not on the sower, it's not on the seed, but it's on the ground that the seed goes into. And there are four different types of soil that reflect four different types of heart. And what I would ask you to do as we work our way through it is just to sort of say, oh God, would you reveal to me what's going on in my heart at the moment in different areas of my life. Now for most of us here, the vast proportion, we've got hearts with good soil in, we've received the word, we're bearing fruit in many areas of our lives, yet Yet we may find there are some areas of our hearts, there may be some circumstances we find ourselves in which aren't fully dealt with yet. And we find some of the worst types of soil there. So I just want to encourage you, be open to God and what he wants to speak to you um, through these different uh, soil types. The first soil type we're going to look at is hard, the hard soil. The hard heart. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up if you've got a hard heart. Not even with your eyes closed. That's not particularly sensitive. So what does he say? He told them many things in parables. A sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the paths and the birds came and devoured them. Galilee was well known for being really good quality soil. The seed was sowed by hand. Your hand was put in a bag. You sort of spread it around and it sort of went over an area. It wasn't sort of mechanised farming in those days. It was all done by hand. And the paths would go right through the middle of the fields. There was no walk around the edge of the path. It was often right through the middle, shortest distance from A to B. And it was compacted soil. So when the seed landed on it, it didn't penetrate that top surface of the soil. It just lay there. And it made it really easy for the birds that are circulating to have a feast at the farmer's expense. They would swoop down, fill their stomachs, fly off, and, and the fruit really, the seed actually does nothing at all. It doesn't go anywhere at all. So what does Jesus say about it in verses 18 and 19? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the message of the kingdom, the kingdom advancing in individual lives, some people will have hard hearts. The, the, the seed doesn't even penetrate the outer surface and it's easy prey for the evil one to come and snatch it away. In this context, Jesus is talking about the Jewish authorities. In chapters 11 and 12, Jesus has found, found, faced loads of opposition and rejection and he's actually talking about them. Although they've seen something of God's kingdom, they've rejected it probably due to pride. You know, they didn't like how Jesus looked. They didn't like how he spoke. He wasn't from their school of ministry. Therefore, they rejected the work of God because it didn't line up with their preconceived ideas of how God should come. Hey, any of us who've been Christians for a while do need to be careful of pride. That can harden the heart. Another thing that can harden the heart is pain. You know, if you've been through really difficult circumstances, suffered traumatic loss, or something that you, I don't know, just absolutely devastated you, pain can harden the heart. It's a way we look to protect ourselves. It's not we're protecting ourselves from God, we're just protecting ourselves from everything. I can't open my heart up, I may be hurt again. 
willful sin hardens the heart as well. Deliberately living in a way that is rebellious towards God, that, that hardens the heart. Ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Excusing rather than repenting of sin. Lying rather than confessing it. It hardens the heart and it separates us from the grace of God. I've been in a number of situations pastorally where people have gone on in willful sin. Although we've looked to counsel them and pray with them and rebuke them and help them out of it, they, they wouldn't do it. And in the end, it's as though they sort of come under a judgment of God. They're, what they would have confessed to be true in the past, even six months earlier, they now deny and say it is not true. It's as though their minds have been darkened, their hearts have been hardened. It's because of willful sin. They've deliberately rejected what they know to be true. Hard hearts is not a good place for the kingdom of God to grow. Pride, pain, willful sin, this is an invitation to deal with those things this morning. It's not about me, it's not about the person next to you, it's about you. This is an opportunity for you to deal with those things. What's, what's the next type of soil? Rocky soil. I've called it a shallow heart. I'm not totally certain that's the best description, but that's what I've called it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, and it didn't have much soil. And it immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. There's a thin layer of soil, and then there's a layer of rock beneath it, and it traps the moisture in the ground. So initially, the soil is even better than normal soil. Because the seed is planted in there and it's surrounded by all this moisture and it springs up and the farmer's really, really excited to think, wow, cool, this is going really well. But but the seed can't penetrate the layer of rocks. So when the sun rises to its highest and maybe there's a time of longest period with no rain, actually this, this little pot of soil quickly dries out. And the roots can't penetrate down to the deeper soil where the moisture remains even when the heat is turned up. And so in the end, the plant is burnt by the sun. So what does Jesus say about this? As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. In contrast with the first soil, there is a receiving and a springing up. You go, wow, this is amazing. Look at the growth. Initially, it's looking so good. It's brilliant. That word receive um, that Jesus uses is often used in the New Testament in context with a conversion experience. Yet in this case, it isn't that. They've received but not fully received the message of the kingdom. In this context, maybe it's the crowds who love the miracle-working Jesus. They love to see what he does, but they haven't given themselves to following Christ as Saviour and as Lord. And so when persecution and difficulties arise, they wither, they disappear. When the excitement is over, when the miracles have finished and life's just a bit tough, 
the reason they started following Jesus isn't there anymore. They give up. They fall away. The image of root in, is really common in the ancient world and it reflects that whole, that whole heart of commitment. No root, no commitment to Christ. It endures for a while. But when suffering starts, whether because of persecution from outside or just bad stuff of life, you know, we're, we're living in a fallen world. We're living in a broken world. Therefore, broken things happen to us. And when those things happen, if we've got no root, we give up, we fall away. What, what stops these roots going deep down into God? Well, I think you've got to look at why you came to Christ in the first place. What was it that drew you to Christ in the first place? Was it actually that you were responding to a feeling or an experience? I mean, I love the fact, so many people come and say, they, they, they love the feeling of meeting with God in the worship, and I think it's brilliant. I love that, and feelings are all right, that's great. But if, if that's why you've come, when the feelings stop, what happens to your faith? Others, it might be experience. I, I received a healing from God. But if you get sick in another area, what does that mean for your faith? Maybe, maybe you've responded. It's a needs response to the gospel. It's a bit of a consu- consumer response. It could be any, any area of life where you said, actually, I'm, I'm coming to Christ because he's helping me in this area. And we, we live really in a very much a consumer age, just read the newspapers, watch TV, go online, advert after advert after advert. You just need this, this to sort your life out. But when things turn bad, where do you point to? Or maybe, and I really felt this as I was preparing, maybe you're here because your parents believe in Jesus. So you're living, in a sense, off the back of their faith and you've not made a decision as either a teenager or an adult to follow Christ. And it says, in a sense, it's a shallow response to the gospel. There's no family bookings when it comes to Christ. Every individual comes before Christ themselves to make that response. What about the thorny soil, the full heart? Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. These seeds fall into wild hedges and the thorns, they steal the moisture from the grain. So although the grain springs up, it doesn't bear fruit. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's growth, but not the full fruit bearing, seed bearing intention that the farmer had had. So what does Jesus say about it in verse 22? As for what was sown among the thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness, and that word deceitfulness can also be delight. The deceitfulness, the delight of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This time the soil is good, but it's already full. 
The soil is good, but it's already full. This world has already filled it. There's so much in this life that I can add Jesus in a little bit in this area, but I'm so full of other stuff that he really can't. He really isn't the Lord of my whole life. I just fit him into this little box, this little area, this little patch of ground in my heart. Other things have got uh, the full place in my heart. Jesus said that both the worries of this life in Sermon on the Mount and the problem of wealth in Matthew 19, both of them stop us being fruitful for God. If we are forever worrying and anxious about things going on in this life, it stops us bearing full fruit for God. I, I struggle with that. I've, I've shared from this platform a number of times, if I'm not careful, by the time I've walked into the office... On a Tuesday morning, it's a 30-minute walk. It hasn't been a blessing, it's been a curse because I've spent the whole time worrying about either things that have gone wrong, they could go wrong, they probably won't go wrong, but I have covered them in my mind anyway. You know, and sometimes we can be so worrying about stuff that it squeezes out the life of the kingdom and the opportunity God has got for us to be fruitful. Or alternatively, the deceitfulness and delights of wealth can squeeze out the kingdom of God. What do you spend all your time thinking about? It's an easy way to know if this is your problem. Are you thinking about the next thing you're going to buy? The next bit of your house you're going to change? the next car you might upgrade to, or, or how you're saving for your next pension pot. And none of those things are wrong. Please, I'm not saying you've got to get rid of them all. I'm not saying that at all. But is that where your heart is? Jesus says the seed can be planted in really good ground, but if it's full of other stuff, there's no room for you to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. What is it that chokes the kingdom of God in your life? Is it the delight of consumerism? I mean, that's a massive problem in our world, in our culture, so it's probably very, very prevalent in our hearts. That's the reality. Is it the God of career? I mean, many of you have been given careers by God. You know, you're called to that place to make a difference, to bring glory to his name. And I say, go with it, run with it, but don't ever allow it to become your God. Don't allow what you're doing for God to become the God that ultimately you are worshipping, thus squeezing out everything else. Maybe it's the worries of life. They strangle every flicker of faith that grows in your heart to bring his kingdom, to bring change, to see transformation occur. And then lastly, we get to the cultivated soil, the receptive heart. Other seed fell on good soil and it produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. These yields are... Uh, were brilliant in Galilee, but they were not miraculous. It was healthy soil. It produced good yields of grain. What does Jesus say about it? As for what was sown on good soil, 
This is the one. This is the individual. This is the person who hears the word and understands it. He indeed, he indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, sixty. And in another, thirty. Here we find not just a hearing, but an understanding. It's a, it's a taking it in. You know, I, I like my sport. I can watch any sport. God's gifted me in that way. <laughs> Chloe doesn't appreciate my gifting but I do it for the glory of God. <laughs> but, but as you're listening, you, can, you, can, you take stuff in that the commentators are saying, but you're not really understanding, you're not really taking it on board. You're just sort of listening. That's not how we're to handle the kingdom of God. We ought to be those that hear it, grasp it, understand it, own it for ourselves. That, that takes effort. That takes discipline. That takes diligence. When I was um, much younger than I am now, one of the elders in the church said, right, what you need to do, young man, is you need to read Martin Lloyd-Jones' The Roman Series. There's about eight or nine books on, on the letter that Paul sent to Romans. So diligently I got going reading them. An hour and a quarter every week on a Monday evening, I got in from work, I sat down at my desk, I'd read it, I'd struggle with it. I wasn't a reader. He, he, he'd written it in back in the 60s, so the way he spoke was difficult sometimes to grasp. I'd read it for an hour and a quarter. I'd battle in taking notes. But time after time after time, God opened my mind and my heart so I could understand what he was saying and the wonderful truth in Romans. And week after week after week, it changed my life. Was it easy? No. Was I a reader? No. But so many of you discount grappling with big things in God because you say, I'm not a reader. Well, just get better at it. For some of you, some of you I know you really do struggle to read. That's, that's, that's different. And we'll, we'll listen to some podcasts, get some great Bible teachers and listen to that. But others of you, in reality, you're just blimmin' lazy. You just need to get a book, open it and practice and read and read and read. And if you don't know, have a dictionary next to you so you can understand the words. Why? Because this is kingdom life. This is cultivating the heart. This is breaking up the whole, the hard ground of apathy and laziness and saying, that's not who I am. I am with self-discipline going to work my way into this. Amen? Well, that wasn't very wholehearted, I tell you. But we are designed to bear fruit for God. You are designed to bear fruit. Isn't it incredible? 30, 60, even a hundredfold what was saying, this is what you are designed to bear. And the only thing that's stopping you from doing it is you. Because there's no problem with the seed and there's no problem with the sower. What Jesus says here, the problem is the heart that it's sown into. So, how are you doing and how is your heart? Because Jesus said that hard hearts, well, they don't even let the seed penetrate. Are you struggling with pride? 
Are you in willful sin and you need to repent? This is a day of grace for you. You can repent today, get it done and dusted. I'm not talking about the fact we all trip up and we all make mistakes, we all sin. But this is willful sin. You know you're living in a way that is rebellious to God. He's convicted you on it time after time. And you're living with that lie. You are not willing to bring it into light, get it sorted. This morning's an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've never fully given your life to Jesus. You prayed some prayer some time back. But you know as you're sat here, it wasn't prayer, Lord Jesus, you are Lord of my life and I'm living for you and you alone. You are the king of my heart. Well, today is an opportunity you can do that. Put that right. It's not about whether you feel like doing it. It's a decision of the will. I'm following Jesus. Or maybe your life is just too full. And your heart is distracted with so many different things. It's not you've got to stop what you're doing. You've just got to move them out of your heart and say, Jesus, you are on the throne of my life. I do my career for your glory. I'm earning money for your glory. I'm a parent for your glory. They are not my gods. You are my God. The disciple is encouraged to live a fruitful life, to multiply their effectiveness for Christ by surrendering surrendering every area of their lives and using all their gifts to glorify God. And as they do that, the sky is the limit. Jesus says in John 15 15 verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. How do you cultivate your heart? Firstly, I've already shared, I've got all out of order. Give yourself to the word of God. This is life. What is God speaking to you about out of this book at the moment? That's your responsibility. Where is he Where is he provoking you? Where is he stirring you? Second thing, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is another like me. In Galatians 5, it talks about bearing fruit of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you, guiding you, speaking to you, directing you. Keep in step with him. And then it says in verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus knows it's so easy to hear this stuff, but not for it not to have any impact, lasting impact on our lives. He who has ears, let him hear. Why don't we stand? Can I ask the band to come back up, please? You know, sometimes our hearts can just get hard over time. Just the troubles of life, the difficulties we face, we just slowly sort of harden up. You know what? This morning is just that great opportunity to break the soil of our hearts up, do business with God. Why? Because he has 30, 60, even 100-fold fruitfulness for every single one of you that's a believer in Jesus. He does. Do you know that? God has fruitfulness for you.
That's how disciples are known, by bearing fruit. If you feel comfortable to, why don't you close your eyes, raise your hands. I'm just going to um, pray this prayer out of Psalm, Psalm 139. And we're going to use bread and wine just as an opportunity to freshly commit our lives to Jesus. It says in Psalm 139, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh Lord God, we thank you for the incredible privilege that you have given us, that we are your children and you've set us apart to bear fruit for you and your kingdom. To reflect you in a broken world. Lord, we we want to take your word seriously this morning and we say, Lord God, would you reveal in our hearts if there are hard places of pride, sin or pain that you just want to either bring healing to or you want to deal with in our lives. Lord, would you highlight that to us? Lord, I pray if, if actually when we came to you, we only came to you in a, you know, you can have this little part of my life. You can come and, you know, be my saviour and help me with these needs. But, but actually we've resisted you as Lord. I ask you that you'd convict us of that right now. Reveal that to us right now so we can repent and put that right. Lord, I pray if the gifts that you have given us have replaced you as the king, Lord God, would you please forgive us? Lord, if we've just been lazy in guarding our own hearts, in cultivating our own hearts, oh Lord, please will you forgive us? And Lord, I want to pray on King's Church Hastings for your blessing to rest upon us. I pray for increased fruitfulness. I pray for big yields. I pray for holy lives. I pray for kingdom witness, for people responding to you and responding to the message that our lives tell. Lord, I ask you for fruitfulness on the left and on the right. I pray fruitfulness when we're waking up in the morning and when we're going to bed um, at night. I pray for fruitfulness in our workplaces and in our families and in our streets, Lord God. We say, Lord, we commit ourselves to following you. You are our Lord, you are our Saviour, and we love you with all of our hearts. Amen. Why don't we respond in worship, and then Sam's going to lead us as we take the bread and wine and as we close.
So we'll just, it'll be good to just find a spot and we can break bread and um, have some wine together as a response to um, Paul's word to us this morning. We're saying to Jesus effectively, you are my Lord and I yield to you again. I, I offer myself to you. But to just explain that if you don't have a living relationship with Jesus, then there, there wouldn't be any point in joining. It wouldn't really mean anything to you. So this is basically for those who have a living faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just go around, find a spot. It would be good to just get together with somebody and pray on the back of this and ask that, you know, Jesus would continue to empower you, you know, to live a life that ultimately glorifies him and a life that bears lots and lots and lots of fruit. Let's do this quickly. We're going to come back for some church news and some exciting news um, from Kate as well. It seems a bit inappropriate to stand here in a lab coat with a pair of strange glasses, but I'm just going to flag up that next Saturday it is the Power Lab. Now, I could say come because we're going to do some mad, bad, dangerous things. I could say come because we're going to eat tons of ice cream. I could say come because we've got the youth band. But you know what? I'm going to say come because Jesus promised that he was going to be here next week with us. And it's an opportunity for us to worship together as families and have the most incredible time as the Holy Spirit encounters us and changes us forever. So two till four next Saturday, please come. I'm selling tickets afterwards on the door.
So that's particularly if you've got kids kind of under 12 years old, do sign up for that. Booking actually closes um, on Wednesday. So if you know you're going to come, get your tickets from Kate today outside. That would be great. Um, just before we close our meeting, I've just got a few other notices. Um, this coming week, we've got two news and prayer meetings um, for all King's Church venues. One of them's on Wednesday, the 16th of May at 7.30. The other one's on Thursday at 12.30, both here at the Hastings Centre. And Paul Mann will be sharing some news about where God is leading us next as a church. So please do come along to one of those to hear the news and to get stuck into praying about it as well. And then next Sunday, Sunday is Vision Sunday, where Paul will be talking a bit more about the next phase of life for us as a church together. So next Sunday, get that in your diaries if you're around. It'd be great to see you here. One activity we're involved in um, as a church is services at the Conquest Hospital, um, which serves Bexhill and Hastings. And there's a service at the Conquest uh, most weeks for patients, for staff and visitors. And today, um, as a church, it's our turn to lead it. So Paul Edworthy, um, Ian Hills and Clive Patterson will be over there at three o'clock this afternoon. And it's just to support and encourage anyone who hears it. And it goes out via radio, hospital radio through the week as well. So just wanted to let you know about it so you can pray for these guys this afternoon. Um, but also you can pray throughout the week that for those who hear it, that it will have a real impact on them and be an encouragement to them as well. Um, stewards, if I could get you to take the offering, that would be great. Just while they take the offering, I just want to say if you're visiting us um, this morning, it's been really, really great to have you with us. And we'd love it if you would stay afterwards. We've got tea and coffee and biscuits. And if you go just through the doors there and on your right, we've got a connect area where if you've got any questions about church or Jesus or just want to say hi to us, we'd love to get to know you. So please do come and say hi. And while you're there, there's a connect card. So if you want us to drop you a line, maybe letting you know what events we've got coming up or if you want us to keep in touch with you and let you know about different things in church life, you can just fill out your contact details there, tick a box to tell us what you want to know about and we'll keep in touch with you during the week. I'll just pray while the stewards finish taking the offering. God, we thank you for all that we've heard this morning. We thank you that you are a God who um, speaks to us. Thank you that you are active in our lives. I thank you for this word. Would you help us to keep our hearts receptive and responsive to you, Jesus? We want hearts that are so open to you, God. And I pray even as this, week goes, as this week goes on, would you help us to be more and more soft-hearted and open-hearted that we might hear you. Would you help us to dig into our Bibles that we might hear you speak to us through them and we might line ourselves up with your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.